there. This is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars The Clone Wars and founder of Her Universe. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Yeah, well, that would have worked better if I remembered to unmute myself. Good evening, everybody. It's TalkCast 192, and it's Swiss Miss Army Night here on Mars 3, deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 6, Earl the Gray Alien Autopsy Ride, directly adjacent to the Candor-sized bottle of Aquaman's Aquavelva. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are the usual suspects. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, vice president of technicalness and princess of unhearable verisimilitude, the level-headed, outspokenly awesomeness that is, Kriana. Yeah, it's me. Okay, good. From the stacks of her personal silence zone in the Dank Dungeon Reading Room, a founding member of the Library of Cold Compress, she's got books about robots and robots who read books and cats who knit and walk through walls. It is the woman who spins and yarns. It's Zombrarian. And I have laid the Zombrarian curse of forgetting to unmute upon you. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so much a forget as my hand did not wish to obey. See, From, that's the curse. Uh, evidently. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely Ginger Ingenue, the woman who is best remembered for her recurring roles as an extra in The Robots of Sumatra, I Was a Teenage Werecat, and the classic George Romero's Three Days of the Condor Man, the story of an avian superhero in the Grand Canyon, a blinding light in a universe of darkness, it's the dead redhead. Kitties. Wow, everybody is just so up. <laughs> Did you say kitties or something yeah, else? That's... No, I said kitties. It just seemed like the thing to say. Okay, okay the other thing would have worked, too. I was just curious. <laughs> Well, Bar We're, I'm waiting for Barnabas, to, our undead kitty, to show up, so he isn't here yet. As opposed to what else we were waiting to sh Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Our guest may or may not be here, depending on whether or not we can actually make the connection tonight. If he does show up, it will be P.J. Harzma, uh, author of the, the Rings... I'm uh, sorry. Author of the book series The Softwire and author and creator of the online game Rings of Orbis. Uh, uh, PJ, if you're actually listening to us live right now, you're supposed to be here. Just thought I'd mention that. And we will welcome you whenever you choose to arrive. Exactly. Unless it's after 10 p.m. Well, if it's after that, then forget it, because I will be fast asleep. Yeah, that's nap time. If you're listening to us live, Boston Comic Con is in two days. If you're listening to us on live remote via iTunes or off our website, Boston Comic Con is happening. <laughs> and day one is over. And we're heading into day two. And incredible stuff. It's been wonderful. Assuming in your region, you're there. Um, so we'll have some final updates and, and talk about that later on in the show. Unless you're uh, listening to this in the far distant future, and then it was in July. And it was amazing. It was so cool. Do you remember the thing? Oh, that was great. But I, I, I love the thing. people. But that guy, you know, yeah, the guy. Yeah, I know, with the face and, and the, the nose and stuff. Right. Yeah. The one who used to be on NPR. Anyway. <laughs> Anyhow, it's been an odd news for a week. Uh, the week mm. or two after... Uh, San Diego Comic-Con is one in which the world decompresses and everybody goes through uh, their Tumblr files of cosplay. <laughs> that, there, there has been some odd stuff going on. I'd like to start with, 
for all you old people out there who used yeah, to listen to Art Bell on Clear Channel, um, Art Bell for years had a five-night-a-week program, a talk show about the paranormal. Yes. And Maybe he should have been on the poll this week, too. Yeah, he could have been. You're right. And Art actually lives right outside Area 51. And one day... Wait, the actual Area 51 or yes, our Area 51? No, the actual Area 51. Oh, okay. We have to be specific now. Yes, as opposed mm -hmm. to our virtual studios in Area 51. Um, and when I got picked up by Clear Channel, he was one of radio's top syndicated voices all through the 90s. Mm. And one day, citing family issues, he literally got up and walked out. And the show was taken over by George Norrie, and it kind of waned in popularity, and Art Belt would come on every once in a while, and hasn't been on radio uh, since Halloween, let me see, since... 2010, did you say? 2010. Oh. It's an odd, yeah. And he just signed a contract to go on Sirius Radio. And he's going to be back doing a 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time uh, from his ranch outside Area 51 in Nevada. Is he going to call it the same thing? Is it going I don't to believe be? he can contractually. Yeah. But he's going to be on satellite radio, which means there's no FCC. He can say whatever he pleases. And it's good. Oh, no. The title of his show is going to be called Art Bell's Dark Matter. Okay. And he's going to be talking, as he always has, about UFOs, ghosts, near-death experiences, weird aspects of science. He will do the same live call-in that he's always done. Uh, uh, according to Scott Greenstein, who's the president of Sirius, he will be uncensored, unrestricted, uncluttered, and utterly unique, just as he's always been. And uncircumcised. I mean, what? <laughs> There's that but what about his callers? <laughs> Some of them need to be uncluttered a little bit, I think. Well, <laughs> at his heyday, he was on over 500 radio stations nationwide. Think about that. That's incredible. It was a fun show. I used to listen to it a lot. It would it would it would go from incredibly weird to incredibly ew to yeah. incredibly wow in like a matter of an hour because he would just bounce all over the place. Um, I yeah. heard a great one once about the Jersey Devil. They did a whole show. Yep. About the Jersey Devil, and he gave the history. And then they had all these people from New Jersey calling in saying that they still saw it and they didn't, you know, think how crazy that was since the first sighting was in the 1700s. So, Yeah, there is that. Now, the interesting thing is the guy who took over his syndicated radio show for Clear Channel is still on there. His name is George Nori. Um, now, George's show doesn't start till 1 in the morning yeah. Eastern time. So they will not be up against each other. But uh, Art Bell has never been a fan of George Norrie's. Uh, his quote was, he didn't consider him edgy enough. Wow. That's <laughs> Yet somehow he considers UFOs edgy? Um, you know what? I suggest you listen to a week of his shows. If 20% if of it grabs you, that 20% will be incredibly weird. Yeah, thanks. Incredibly I'll, edgy. I'll pass on that. Uh, you know, he was always, it's a lot of times uh, his repeat show when we were on Clear Channel mm -hmm. would start right after ours. So we would uh, we would go from Sci-Fi Saturday Night to uh, Art Bell. And that was well, when Mr. K was on, we we were pretty edgy. No, we weren't edgy. We were just odd at that. <laughs> <laughs> or something or something. Yeah. You know, it was a really cool one. I wonder if he'll get him back. There was a guy that supposedly he had on the, the show once who said that he was from something like 100 years in the future and that he had come back. And he was, without telling people, you know, the whole, well, I can't tell you anything that's going to change 
people's lives or anything like that. They kept trying to get him to say stuff about what was going to happen in the future so they could uh, jot it down and try to prove him fake or not fake. <laughs> Truth or bullshit? Well, you, you can't it. prove a negative, so... <laughs> So anyhow, Art Bell, welcome back to radio. Uh, I, I'm going to listen, but then again, I have a serious radio. And and once again, because it's on serious radio, you're going to have to pay to hear it. Uh, and uh, it's going to be uncensored. Should be interesting. Well, I Do have it. irreverent radio, so. Okay, good. <laughs> I want to make two very quick funding notes about uh, projects that we've hey. had on the show. Uh, Inspector Spacetime. Or, if you care to put it another way, Untitled Web Series about a space traveler, season two. Travis Ritchie was on the show a couple of weeks ago. We talked about uh, his uh, Kickstarter project to try and get season two done. It has fallen short with less than a day to go. It doesn't look like he's going to be anywhere close to the 125000 Travis, that's a damn shame. He's such uh, a nice man. He is, and it's such a wonderful series. He did say in, in an email he sent out to all the people who had uh, uh, helped fund the uh, the Kickstarter project that he was going to try again. He was going to try it in a different way. Uh, and that uh, one of the things that he was going to do is every single donor is going to get a download of... Uh, the first season, the right? The first season, all six episodes in HD. Right, which is very nice. And I thought that was incredibly cool. So, uh, Travis, we look forward to getting you back on the show and, and uh, maybe uh, finding, helping you find the funding that you need and doing what we can for you because it sounds like incredible fun and uh, really sorry it didn't work out. The other, uh, one of the other projects that we've had on the show is Star Trek Renegades, which got funded on their first go-round and then needed an extra $20,000 to make up some of the money uh, that they had to pay out and didn't realize that they were going to have to pay out, and also to add a couple of scenes and add a couple of actors and do the props properly. So they opened up yesterday on the Indiegogo for uh, an additional $20,000, and in the first day, reach the halfway point. So most people need to give to Travis. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would like to see uh, both of them, but Travis's project is not going to make it right now, so hopefully we'll catch him on the next round and make that happen. For Star Trek Renegades, it looks like it's absolutely going to happen, yeah, and really? it really looks like fun. Um, so congratulations to you guys. And again, uh, Star Trek Renegades, anytime you want to come on, you're welcome here. Zombrarian. Yes. What? Well, you had some stuff there. What I do doing? have some stuff. I just don't know which one you want. I don't know. It's uh, all exciting. I, roll it, the well, dice. Okay. Speaking really, roll of the things, virtual dice. Speaking of things that are either yesterday or a few days ago or in the distant past anyway at some point this past week it was yesterday wednesday july 31st it was harry potter's 33rd birthday really yeah he was born in 1980 on july 31st um that's funny <laughs> i did not do that math. Someone else did it and told me, but I was still inordinately excited about it. <laughs> I don't You're remember my cute. real life friends' birthdays, but now oh. I'm going to remember Harry Potter's. Oh year. man! <laughs> <laughs> do we have to send a present? No. no I think okay. I think JK's got got plenty of money. Yeah, no. but there were lots of really neat um, library events, events and. Yeah. Things like that around the world to celebrate that momentous occasion. That's so funny. <laughs> it's also scary to think that. Well, why is it scary? Little, I mean, Har you know. Little Harry is 33 now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's that. Although, um, 
people were doing the math for his kids to oh, figure out God, and no. um <laughs> his first child will be born next year. Oh God. <laughs> so not only will we have a birthday party for him next year, we're also going to have a birthing announcement much like the royal couple. It's probably going to be more exciting than the royal baby. <laughs> I'm more excited. Have an idea of what he had already? <laughs> yeah, we know because there was an epilogue to the That's right. last book. So James Sirius Potter will be born at some point in the next year. And oh, here's PJ. Some... Here's PJ. I'm adding him to... Right. Hi, PJ. Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's Eastern Standard Time, not Pacific Standard Time, right? <laughs> you got it! <laughs> well, better late than never, because we're well into the show right now. <laughs> well, I think we're, we're just about ready at this point, right? We will, we will be shortly, yeah. Oh, I was just sitting there going, I should check my emails. Let me check Skype just to make sure everything's ready. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to keep you on your toes. Yeah, like that's never happened before. Yeah, uh, really. I said Eastern, that's that Eastern time thing. It just screws you up every time. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm looking at your Skype avatar right now, and, yeah. and I'm thinking, how do I get me one of those in your game? It's so freaking cute. He's a he's a ring thing. You have to genetically modify one of the eggs in order to get him. So I have not. Fi I I had an egg, and and I turned it into a thing with cl that looked like a claw. Right. So that's a different kind. So this guy is a gonical. So you need to get a gonical egg. Oh man! Like a gonical. This sounds expensive. I need more <laughs> slaves. <laughs> so so you know it, it, clearly. PJ, at this point, we, we have no idea about the No, game no, no, wait, no, wait, no. I think we need to switch now because I want tips. Oh, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm excited. All right. We should do the poll first. All and right. Do we have to? Eh. Yeah, we've got to poll that we've got to do. And then, PJ, we're going to talk about uh, Rings of Orbis. We're going to talk about uh, the Softwire books and, and all that other cool stuff. So, okay. uh, De Dead Redhead, my yes. darling. Yes. Talk to me. We had our week. poll this week, and actually, this one was pretty popular. Uh, we asked everybody who was their favorite. Um, let me get the correct wording here, guys. We asked them who their favorite paranormal investigators were. Alex Mack. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ghost chasers actually showed up in there. That's true. Oh, yeah. ghost chasers! <laughs> I yeah, that really yay, supernatural! So, what we had, we actually had some clear winners again this week. Yay for clear winners. Um, and some interesting ones. So, coming into third place, which was the one I thought was the most interesting out of the whole group, is uh, John Constantine, DC's non-superhero um if anybody read the hellblazer series definitely non-superhero um john constantine created by alan moore in the swamp thing series yep. magic user um has been had his own comic now for oh probably a good 12 14 years something like that uh showed up had his own movie I'm not necessarily a fan of the movie. I'm sorry. Uh, Keanu Reeves follow the books. Keanu Reeves is not John Constantine. I'm Isn't sorry. Isn't it Constantine? Constantine? And is well, it Constantine like the like the emperor? There was something in one of the books and they started doing saying it was Constantine but it goes back and forth. Okay. So I don't know. It's up to Alan Moore whatever he wanted. But uh, he came in third. That's right. <laughs> coming in second for talking about the old people dome. Uh, coming in second hey, was hey, Cool hey, Jack, hey. the Night Stalker. Yeah, one of my faves. One of my absolute faves. Very excited about that. And coming in at number one, clearing away, because I'm thinking that they had some groups of people going in there and voting this time, was the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters came in at number one. <laughs> Of all time. And this was a group that we even had Harry Dresden in there. We had Hellboy in there. Um, but let's face it, Ghostbusters. I'm Evidently. Talking, far and away, it was the Ghostbusters who won. 
according to our Facebook fans, them's the one. And we already have a couple, X and I came up with some polls for the next couple weeks. So we should be all set. We'll have a new one up. Possibly not till Sunday because of Comic Con, but we'll go. We'll we'll see what happens. And if you've ever been pulled, you know just how painful that can be. Absolutely. Mm. Unless you were dancing on it at the time. Anyway. I've no. Well, sorry, I was just there taking pictures. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave this conversation because I need an adult. This is like beyond creepy jar and into I need an adult. <laughs> She pulls out her whistle and starts blowing it. <laughs> Do I need my right whistle? Oh, and if we were in the second half of our show, which actually we are right now. We are in the second Joining half. us is the guy who forgot it's Eastern time, PJ Harsma. PJ, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I apologize. And I, I was supposed to go to a birthday party tonight, and I had it all rigged up where I was going to I was gonna take my iPad, go out to the birthday party, do the interview, and... And uh, so this is actually going to make it a lot easier. I can start drinking earlier. Yay! We support wow. that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. PJ started off as a photographer? Yeah, years ago in the late 80s, I started as a fashion photographer. Ooh. And somehow transposed into a science fiction writer. And yeah, sir, I had, sorry, go on. No, no, please. After I had done everything in advertising and would make different people on the ad side cry at shoots, I, uh, I kind of packed it in and tried to do something else. Yeah, I became that mean guy on set. So uh, for, my, for my own good, I just uh, I took to writing, sort of as a therapy thing, really. Now, according to, you know, I, I've read a little bit, little bit of your books, oh. and it kind of surprises me... Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I don't know why, but I didn't really expect a juvenile series. What so, do you mean you didn't expect it? You didn't well, look that it was a YA novel? No, I did, I based on the background and everything else, I didn't expect a young adult novel at all. And yet, as most young adult novels are kind of talking down, this one doesn't do that. The series doesn't do that. It's got it's nicely grounded in science, without you know doing the uh, two pages of scientific explanation. It's all right there, and yeah. uh, it, it was done, that was done on purpose because I really wanted to write. Like a lot of times, science fiction gets a bum. Uh, science fiction gets a really bum rap. I mean, I walked around with Barnes and Nobles a buyer once and she basically just dismissed science fiction the the buyer the overall buyer said kids don't read science fiction anymore and at one time we walked by some star wars books and they goes well those aren't books anyway they, those aren't real books <gasps> oh. so um a, i beg to differ yeah <laughs> a really dismissive attitude with science fiction it's really it really uh is is labeled as a genre thing but i i didn't care i didn't i didn't care what they thought i wanted to write a book that would get kids reading science fiction there's a lot of science fiction books and even me and i have a degree in science a lot of books i read and in the first three pages i feel stupid because i, I don't know who's what or how what's going on like they mm. they write so hard yes. to make this new world and I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I want a book that a kid could pick up, completely identify with right out of the gate. All the science is there, but it's in the background. And let's have characters and stories where they really get hooked into that first. And then the science fiction comes as the dressing. They read the whole book and they're like, wow, I never knew I liked a science fiction book before. And I get that from so many people going, oh, I never wanted to read science fiction, but I love reading your books. And it was done on purpose. And then for my book, maybe you would go to some Asimov short stories. then or some maybe Heinlein juvenile fiction. Yeah, well, I, I would go to Heinlein next, you know, after some of that, <laughs> like pick up one of Heinlein's books and then, you know, and work your way up. Work your way up the chain before you start picking up some of those more daunting uh, people. Some I'm of Nancy Cress's stuff is good. So, yeah. so it was done on purpose. And the other part of it, too, is where it gets labeled in the whole uh, literary genre is how old your main character is. So my main character started pretty young, so they were right. pushed... They were pushing that book down, 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 down. Like they wanted it to start at grade three and that. But there's a lot of big social issues in that book that I cover. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it landed where it landed. Uh, it would landed young. So I did have a nude scene in one of the books and I had to take that out. 
And as I, a librarian, I will tell you that they teach us in library school, which is an actual real thing. I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, they teach us in library school that generally your reader is two years younger than your main character. So they put them at, I think JT started at 12 or... 13. Yeah, so probably 10, third grade would be about where I would pick your books for, too, if I didn't know anything about them. And there's no swearing in my books, and you know, there's no drug use or stuff, so it's a clean book for librarians. They love that. You know, not that I have anything against either of those things, but you know, some of those books, uh, Fairy Wars, I think of off the top of my head, some of those books where they're shooting fairy dust and running away at 14. I mean, it's, some of those books are hard uh, to, to push to some kids. So you know, they like this. They fit in that genre, and it worked. But I have more adult fans than I do have kid fans. Well, yeah, that's usually the case with a lot of what gets labeled as young adult fiction. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing was that that opening couple of pages on Virus on Orbis, which is book one of the series, could have just as easily taken place on a schoolyard as it yeah. did in a spaceship. Yeah. So at that, well, that, isn't that all science fiction? I mean, it, it, the the background allows you to say things about society that you normally couldn't say if you painted everything realistic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, explain to our listeners who haven't yet been given the book, been given the the series, what Softwire is. Uh, well, the book series is about a group of kids who get orphaned in outer space and sold as slaves to these aliens. But when they get there, they find out that this one boy, the one person on the on the ship, is uh, has has something special. He's a softwire, and he has the ability to enter any computer with just his mind. And this is huge because the place where they're sent to work, the Rings of Orbis, these four giant uh, planet-like rings. They can. Uh, it's run by one central computer. This computer runs everything on the rings. So imagine this kid who's technically a slave there can get inside this precious computer. It makes him very powerful. So everybody on the rings and anybody who's anybody tries to gain ownership of this kid and his sister. And that's the overarching... Uh, uh, premise of the book, but as you go through the series, you start to realize, you know, the story really isn't about JT. It's more about his sister, and uh, and his sister is is a scion, and it's basically the next coming of of you know a god of the universe, and 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 JT's role is to protect her. Ooh. <laughs> I want to read even more. I know. Yeah, and it's uh, the the. Part that I've read, which is the first uh, <clears throat> 40, 50 pages in book one, it's, it catches nicely. It, it's got all the elements that you need to uh, grab, <clears throat> excuse me, to grab the young mind and for me at my age, who still enjoys uh, young adult novels and science fiction, uh, Caught me nicely. It was. It's. It's a nice grab. It's a, really it's a know fun you ride. Have a young mind there, don't. <laughs> no, no. I was drunk at the time. No. Was, <laughs> sorry. Well, get to the other books. I mean, that was the first thing I ever written. It was edited a little. I don't want to say choppy, but I mean that there was ninety pages of, of that book that started beforehand, and then there's a whole scene taken out. Uh, it, the the flow, I think, gets better in book two and three, and then four. Three's my favorite. Cool. So. How did you how did you want to write science fiction? That's I I've mean, always been a science fiction fan. Always. And I, I first I was a horror fan. Uh, I was reading everything horror. Uh, a big Stephen King fan when I was a kid. I didn't like reading growing up. I dropped out of English in high school. I just didn't like that stuff. And then I read Ender's Game, and uh, and Ender's Game sort of just launched me into science fiction, you know, full heartedly. And I never stopped. And it's basically the only thing I read now. And then when I when I was trying to find you know some late in life I was on thirty eight not late in life but you know I was just trying to find something better to do uh, I I reached to 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 writing and I'm like yeah, you know what I want to try this I kind of have that attitude where it's just like if I like that I'll just try it you know now if you said hey PJ why don't you write a four book series I'd be like oh my god go to hell are we allowed to swear <laughs> on this or not Oh yeah you're totally yeah. yeah you're fine. Yeah, it's it's daunting uh, when I look back at it now and I go, how did I get it done? And then, you know, and the roadblocks that, that are there and then the whole 
issue with the with publishing industry now. It's it's daunting. Although I'm jumping right back in again on two different fronts. So you know, it's uh, it it was just it just came out of desperation to do something I loved. So, I have to ask, whose idea was the game, the tie-in game? Because yeah, you know, so my buddy, my buddy Frank Bedore wrote the Looking Glass Wars. Yes! Oh my God, I love that series. Yeah, he's a he's a great uh, friend of mine. That's his. It's his birthday party. I got to go to tonight. So happy uh, birthday! Yes, happy birthday! (laughs) So uh, we're sitting in his backyard one day, and uh, and he wrote that book, and I he I read mine, and they were like, you know, we're authors. We got to have websites now. We're supposed to have websites. And so I went home and I looked at uh, I looked at websites of famous authors from Rowling, all these people, and I look at them. And I go, well, why the hell would a kid ever go back to these things? I mean, they're masturbatory at best. They're just there's nothing there. So I said, oh, I know I'm going to have a lot of kids online. You know, I, I'm a big uh, computer person. I go, you know, we got to do something better. And I knew the kids were out there, and I started looking at websites like Neopets and. Gaia Online and those different interactive sites that have the the world. And I go, that's what we have to do. I need to create a website where kids can hang out between books and play with the world while they wait for the next book. Funny that you mentioned that because I noticed something on your website that reminded me of Gaia Online. Yeah. And then the the book... the, 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 The website was originally just built as an interactive website. It wasn't a game. And then the whole gaming explosion started happening. And then, you know, we, I tried to back it into, into a game model. And, you know, it works quite successfully. We're, we're right in the middle to launch a whole new revamping that's, that brings the gameplay into more of what's happening uh, nowadays in traditional, what you would call traditional uh, gaming uh, methods. So it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was trial by fire. I, I couldn't even make a web page let alone build a game and i learned all that myself just by looking at tutorials online i have to say it's very successful because i started playing last night um we uh, we got the link in our little package our guest coordinator sent out for us and now i want to read the books because i'm coming up against all these characters and I can tell from the way the site is that there's they're really interesting characters, and I want to know more about them. And also, where are these in- characters? There's really there's like a really cool lab. Where? Orbis, I think Orbis three. Number <laughs> three. How do I get there? I'll show you in a little bit. Anyway, over eighty percent of the people that have played that game went and bought the book. Oh, that was a good tool. I believe it. It's a really yeah. great tie-in. And it was also very, very smart to have the little trivia questions that pop up. Yeah, yeah. That was a, that's, a, that's a new little thing that we, that we put in a little bit ago. The new section that's coming in is all to do with space mining. You're going to be able to fly to the moons and be able to start mining and building stuff and then selling back to other players. It's a really exciting section that's coming. This takes a long time. So there's just two of us that build that whole game. So Did you do all the coding and stuff too? The coding, yeah. The, I, I, I have a, a person that does the database and the PHP stuff, but I'll do all the HTML and all the designing of the items. I have different artists around the world that I use. And if you like the Looking Glass Wars, I also made the Card Soldier Wars game, so you can go over and see that game too. Oh, well, I have to give you one more compliment, and then I'll let Dome ask his question. That side-by-side multi-game Tetris that you oh, have, yeah. You like that one? Where you've got three things to watch at once. That's diabolical. Wait, wait, wait. Where is that? <laughs> I'm, still, I'm doing something wrong here. You I'll show you in a bit. An addict to be able to do that properly, to run all three on high mode, that's insane. Oh, my God. I, I cried a little bit. <laughs> you made a librarian cry. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I had a I had a meeting today on a book that I'm 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 going to co-author with this person and uh, and we have a librarian that's going to be a agent of the monster world. Nice. It's gonna, All librarians be- are. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, <laughs> what does that say about me? I know where you sleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Case in point. <laughs> what? It was a compliment. Miss Eyeball hanging out of your socket. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, 
<laughs> so you've got the four books, you've got the game, and clearly, uh, based on uh, our cast, uh, they're both fairly successful because you've got us all, all four of us hooked. Uh, now, I, I need more ring cash. Yeah, that, well, you send me your send me your uh, username, and then I'll hook you guys up with some free ring cash. Ooh, awesome. Thank you. Say, send me your credit card, Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We can we can do that without PJ's help. <laughs> <laughs> so you you very very glibly glanced over some new projects that you're working on. Is there anything you can talk about? There's, uh, well, I've got Softwire 5 that i got to write. I've got this Monsters book that I'm really excited about that I've been working on for a while. Um, I've got the game. I'm, I still make television commercials, you know, all day long. But I've got this exciting project, and I'm not allowed to say anything about it. Something but I wanted to tease Come on. <laughs> I want to tease it. Alan Tudyk and I have been <gasps> trying to Sorry. do a project. I've been trying to do a project together for a very long time. And we think we found the project. We think we found the people, and uh, and it's going to combine. It's. It, I, I don't know how to describe this without giving this away, but it's going to combine combine some favorite sci-fi worlds into a new story. Okay. So because that was really really mean, I need to extract a promise from you that you and Alan will be back. Well, we actually, because I told them about this in the meeting the other day in Hollywood about, you know, what can I say and stuff like that. And they were like, well, no, later on, we'll come and we'll do more. This is, there's, there will, once this is done, there will not have been a project made that will have so much fan access to some of the biggest names in science fiction through this project. So it's going to be really, really exciting if we pull it all off and make it happen and uh and we're working hard we're gonna go out and and hopefully shoot a first scene this this month so we're scouting locations right now well this sounds really cool and and i want to say i want to say if there's anything we can do please do let us know we have a varied and kind of awesome skill set here on sci-fi saturday night well, we're definitely going to want to talk about it, and we really want to uh, be interactive with the fans from both worlds in this project. So, uh, yeah, you'll definitely hear from me. Oh, well, that's the best news we've had in a while. <laughs> I mean, it sounds awesome enough that if there's anything that we can do to help make this happen. Oh, hell yeah. Like, like on the show or off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will, yeah. We will talk right about now it. It's all at the, now it's all in the lawyer stages. Oh, I love that stage. Contracts and getting all that done. But uh, it's pretty exciting. And uh, and I, obviously I can't say much. Uh, you can call it the Untitled Alan Tudyk Project. I and, think we will. <laughs> oh, oh, we yeah. will. And it, uh, <laughs> it, it, I haven't been this excited in a long... I haven't been this excited since the software came out. I mean, that's... Oh, man. That's, that's how exciting this is going to be. So I want to hear more about this monsters thing. Now that I know there's a librarian in it. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, the, I, so I, I moved down to, uh, I left LA when Skylar was born. It wasn't a good place. I, I, we were there like 15 months after she was born and she wouldn't even touch her feet on grass. I mean, it was a little weird. We moved down to San Diego. That didn't work. Came back up to Irvine when I got back in advertising and did commercials again. And we've we've got this great house for them in this gated community, and it's like it's a like a little Disneyland. My kids can run out in the street and play. They got a big backyard, and they have and Skyler and her little sister Zoe, and then they, she has a a friend across the street, Jerome, and her, and her his little sister Aviella, and they they go around and they make stuff up all day all day. And I followed them one, and they had made a monster hunters club. Nice. End of story. <laughs> and from that, and from that, I extrapolated this whole concept for a for a story idea. And it's going to be younger. It's going to be chapter books. I have another writer involved uh, with me on it, and and you know we're getting ready to uh, to write. I got an invitation from Penguin to bring stuff to them, so I think it might be a nice fit. And it's just a fun, silly, cute uh, chapter book series with a lot of 
cool monsters like sock monsters and tooth fairies as monsters and boogeymans and it's going to be fun that sounds like oh, that sounds terrible that sounds adorable <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to hear any more about that. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Mm. So, yeah. So, okay, now we have two projects that, when they're ready to be talked about, completed, you're coming back. Absolutely. Because, uh, yeah, because this sounds just incredibly cool. I, and it's, it's funny because in, in reading about you and reading about the software series and hearing you talk about this Monster Hunter Librarian series, it seems like that your writing in large part is based on piecing together events from your life you know it's it's easier to write stuff that 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 it touches you more emotionally i've got another book series that i almost sold to disney called the wand chasers about this girl that uh is that the, the uh is a descendant of a of a 14th century dutch witch and she uh she's she's this she's the the chosen one of this these two families that have been feuding over the wands and they're you know and they're trying to collect all these wands and it's a magical wand world and you know I, it's a great book you know i'll find a home for it but i don't have the passion to to constantly write about it because it's not i don't have anything attached to my life i mean stoffwire when i was growing up i worked in my parents factory as a child and, you know, I used to call my dad slave master and me slave. I have a T-shirt. <laughs> so, there's, so there's a lot of that came from that. And then the Monster Hunters Club with my kids. And, you know, so it's for me, it's 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 easier to write if I have that some sort of biographical connection, I guess, for lack of a better word. It just it just inspires me to write more as opposed to just I could never what those guys do in high fantasy. That just freaks me out. I don't know how they do that. It's a that's a skill set that's unbelievable. I feel like I need to hook you up with Tracy Hickman to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get how Tracy does it either. Tra- My God. <laughs> oh, so let's talk about kids need to read. Well, kids need to read is a, you know obviously a great organization, and it started uh, it started when I was when I first had the Softwire, and I used to have to go around to schools. And uh, and I would go to any schools. I mean, a lot of a lot of authors, they make their money from speaking and going around to engagements and talking and and a lot and you know it's 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 how they live and uh, and a lot of times it's only the schools that pay that get a lot of the authors. And I always made a point that if I'm getting paid to go to a school, then I want to go to a school that can't afford me. So you know, I'd basically go to the other side of the tracks, and I would go, you know not to be stereotypical but you know i'm just i'm trying to paint you a picture but uh so i would go to some of these schools and i would have kids that the the, the principal would come up and go listen you're never they, no one's going to buy books here nobody reads so i hope you don't think you're going to make any money from sales and this is from the principal and i'm like okay thanks no don't worry i just want to share the book with the kids come back the next day you know i've sold 70 copies of a book to schools that that apparently don't read and uh, and then I would have kids follow me in the parking lot. One little girl came up to me once and says, "I got a movie ticket for my birthday party. I mean, for my Christmas present. Can I trade it for a book?" Oh my goodness! And, yeah. Oh my goodness! And then I would have teachers that would see that they were kids for the first time. Their kids were ever reacting to a book, and they were scrambling out of their own purse to get enough money to pay for a book for to start a class library because the school didn't have any libraries. And I'd be like, what the, this is wrong. I would be and, like, here's a book, little girl. Yeah, you, you <laughs> have two. And hand them out. <laughs> so I wanted to find a way where, you know, I could not, I could do this and not go broke by just giving books away. I'm glad I'm not an author because I would just, I'd just be like, here, take it. So I was, I, you know, I was hanging out with uh, Nathan a lot and, you know, I would tell him about these stories and I, I would, you know, we were, he was like, his parents were both school teachers and we'd, he'd be like, we got to do something about this. I go, what are we going to do? And, uh, I, and he goes, well, let's just buy some books and give it to them. And I'm like, well, that's kind of not, that's not going to do anything long term. And we started thinking, I mean, you know, he has a few fans and, uh, and we were, well, listen, 
let's do some stuff together. You record some chapters of the software. We'll take some pictures together. You sign the books. I'll sign the books. We'll do these packages and uh, we'll double the price of the package and we'll take the extra money and that we'll use that just to buy the books. So that's how we started it. And then we had some great Firefly, Firefly fans that jumped on board and uh and uh they were the ones that took it to the to make it what it is today you know denise and deb and and her crowd i mean they were the ones that took it and turned it into a 501c charity and made it you know the big thing that it is in phoenix nowadays and nathan and i now are just sort of the poster boys but uh it 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 came out of that need to give these kids some books and so now we have great lists of books that go across all age categories and ethnicities and and uh and you know and it's a it's a solid charity you look at a lot of these charities where they you know so much goes to administration and a little bit goes to that i mean we're so lean we give everything we can to actually buying books and it's a simple process you just fill out a form send it to us and we send you books and it's mostly sci-fi and fantasy books right um, it's got a giant sci-fi fantasy base, but we do get different, you know, different needs for different ethnicities. We get different needs for different schools. We do have a, a good, uh, autobiography section. There's a lot of requests for that, but it's all fiction. It's not, there's no non-fiction books. Like you can't go to us to get atlases and stuff. You're not a reference library. You're a library assistant to help kids learn to love to read. Okay, wait, though. Because as a child who was at a school who could afford a library, but who couldn't keep me in books I hadn't read, <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, yeah. No this kidding. is so awesome. Like, and we, we don't put the sludge funds on the lists. I mean, we, have a, we had a, a, a woman that would pick from the best of the top YA, and you know, we bought and we buy new books. And we buy the the the, the lists are of the greatest YA and children's books that we can find, and uh, and the, they're good lists. They're good books that they get for these kids to read. And the whole point is, is that so many times when kids get a book in school, it's it's like a, a bowl of broccoli. They they have to do it with a book reporter. They have to do it for um, uh, for some reason, or it's part of a, some sort of curriculum. And you know, we just want to give them books that they just fall in love with, so they're reading because they want to. Exactly. And and most kids just don't don't even if like they don't under if they don't get it they don't get it and you'll have to force them to get it sometimes you have to be like no seriously read this and then they're like oh it's not like pulling teeth. The other side too is that I think you have to really be open to not reading a book and when I say that it's uh, there's a lot of books out there and vampires might not be for everybody science fiction might not be for everybody. Maybe it's time travel. For me, it was time travel. I, I love time travel books, and I would gobble those up. And I tell my little daughter, I'm like, you don't let, you, you know, you're not into that book. Put it down. Go try something else. You may come back to it, but find that subject matter you love. And just because you have a book in your hand doesn't mean you got to read it. Find the ones you love and keep reading those, and the rest will come around. You know, this is not the first time I've heard that. I think it was it Spider Robinson who told yeah, us well, life is too short to read things you don't like. That's yeah, right. there's no goal in finishing a book that you're not happy with. Just move on to the next one, and you know, and just just read the stuff you love, and you'll keep on reading. But I will argue that you should give books a chance because I have to admit, I had never read Dune, and a couple weeks ago I started Dune, and Kriana can can tell you I was whining about it. I was like, when does it get exciting? And I was like, shut when up, does keep reading. The worm. <laughs> shut up. Keep Everyone reading. in this book boring? And then I, I got a few more pa- hundred pages in, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. But uh, you're, a, uh, you're a solid reader to wait a couple hundred pages. I never got through yeah. and I never finished it. I mean, I think you give a book, you know, three chapters, if you four chapters, five if you read, like for me, Feed, which I think is a great book, took me five chapters before I was loving it. You know, so yeah, you give it a chance. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do it on five pages but you know i can tell a book right now by the very first page if i'm going to read it if i'm going to finish it or not by the it's, very first page i, I was totally into dune by the first chapter i have to admit i was so into it when um, i was a kid my, my father pushed uh edgar rice burroughs on me yeah and he went out and he bought me the entire mars series 
and it sat there and sat sat there and i think i was like 12 or 13 at the time and i remember i would open the first book get 10 or 15 pages into it say the hell with it and it sat there for five years and every once in a while i would try it and it had to wait until i was ready to read it it's true. Because there's there's a whole series of books. Lovecraft was the same way for me. I didn't even read a Lovecraft book until I was in my 30s. Just had no relevance for me. My 30s, I loved it. Yeah, you can come back to them. That's for that's for you know absolutely come back to them. That's why I never can get rid of books. I have so oh my gosh! No. Yeah. Oh god! So I'm burying closer ears. <laughs> you know how hard it is living with a librarian. almost as hard as it is living with your father who had his own reference library we just moved we got it down to 13 boxes of books that's not (laughs) true we had 20 we had 13 because the other 7 were notebooks and music and that doesn't count yes it does we weren't going (laughs) to argue about this on air we might well now with with ebooks oh I'm I'm a big I'm a big gadget head, but I you know I I I, I still don't get the same enjoyment. Dare I say this? At a reading from a tablet or a reader, as I do a real book. Just call me old school. But you know what I buy a lot of ebooks. I see them, I buy them. Oh, that was good. I just buy it because it just sits in my in my iPad, and I and I've got so many now. I got to read. I put a note on my desk the other day. Stop buying books. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're just so easy, and they don't take up any space in your house, and the mental, no, so the transaction cost heavy. is low. They're not heavy. Yeah. That's what really gets me to keep on acquiring more and more ebooks. Is they're not heavy. If I no. want to carry ten books around with me, I can. And that's why, at the age of thirteen. I was totally into the ebooks. Now this was before iPads were a twinkle in Steve Jobs' eye, <laughs> and, and I was reading them on my Palm Pilot M150, and oh, it wow. was ridiculous. It, it, it was stupid. Like some of these books just had errors in them. Some of them had character replacements because the format was so crazy. I didn't care. I was so happy with that. You were. <laughs> I, I was. I was. So here's an interesting question, and you know, we talk about the survival of publishing, and and uh, especially you know even genre fiction, and it's harder and harder when they're just selling the best selling stuff in the in the bookstores. But have you ever read that book, Freakonomics? Yeah. Yes. When they do those correlations of different uh, statistical things, and they said that one of the, the correlations that creates readers and families is not if you know they go to early start programs or if you get them to read earlier or not or even if the parents are readers it's the number of books you have in the house if the kids are surrounded by books they tend to be readers if we have ebooks everywhere the kids ain't going to see the books anymore i'm just saying i just threw that out there it came to me while we were talking about it i think there's there's a good reason to have physical books in the house i don't think it's the same reason that there used to be in case you need to build a fire <laughs> Thank you, Just Brianna. kidding. That was horrible. Oh, that was That's bad. I'm sorry. I, I apologize for that one. That was. I think what we have to do is we have to elevate authors to the status of rock stars, and then, <laughs> there we, go. The, then we make the books. The printed ones, the collector pieces, well, and I we think that's what's happened. more, and we make them. They're the things you get signed. Or oh they man, have- PJ, yeah. I really need to get you into a conversation with Tracy Hickman because literally, this is this is what this is what we talk about all the time, yep. and and we we talk about publishing and and sort of the the necessariness of publishing houses or lack thereof, and the the advent of eBooks and the sort of author-driven publications that are coming out, and he is so inventive, he's so creative in the ideas that he comes up with to, to market his new stuff. I, I'm continually impressed and amazed, and, you know, I, I like to follow this stuff. I just find it really interesting how the publishing industry is evolving versus how the music or the movie industry yeah. evolved, and it's very, very different. And the authors have way more control now. The, the content creators have more control than 
than they've ever had and it's freeing up to to put ideas through i mean it's back in the day you, you would sit in a marketing meeting and i, I remember with software came in with an 18 page marketing guide and, and they looked at it none of it ever happened <laughs> it's, it's, they just print books and go on to the next one so yeah all these ideas you see popping up now because you just go do them right and you can go like do and, and sometimes the book doesn't end up being the product well, that's the other part when you look at it as a book as a brand and sort of creating this vertical brand where you have all these different entertainment touch points where people can come in and get into the story and may get to their book through a touch point that is two or three places away and uh, and whether maybe it's you know as concrete as a graphic novel or even music. If you look at the Looking Glass Wars, they, they, he had a soundtrack for the book yep. and some people bought the soundtrack and then went I to did. the book stuff with the games and you know and there's this whole explosion of stuff that in this untitled project that we're going to explore really interesting stuff because we're going to go all the way back and create a new book that's this this thing is that this thing touches so it's it's all about building that vertical brand now i think it would be very interesting to sort of start a book series that was maybe just for fun, for like somebody, you know, an author who had time not to get paid, who was, you know, independently wealthy. So just, J.K. Rowling? Yes, exactly. Like, just as, just as like a thought experiment. Put out this book for free, see if they could get a big enough following. If they get a big enough following, kickstart the game then. And and then if they get the game to go big enough, like, you just, just charge at certain points in the game, maybe even for things that don't cost that much and or don't necessarily even affect gameplay and, and just see how I'd just be very interested to see how that turned out and then the spin-off movie yeah because I'm, I'm thinking like it's not it's not necessarily the like okay I need to charge for the book and I need to charge for this and I need to charge for every little step along the way but like if you get a rabid enough fan base they will throw money at you for the randomest things so what if you bought a, What if you bought one of the eggs on Rings of Orbis, and inside the egg came a chapter from Softwire Five? Ooh. That would be awesome. Yeah. So there's different things that we're looking at doing within the game, where we're taking instead of taking Softwire Five and publishing it in a traditional format, we are going to make acquisition of the literature part of the gameplay. So the kids nice. would, would find the would the proprietary ownership of the literature would come through their skill skill set inside the game. That's cool. That's neat. So the, kid, the kid's going to want to read that stuff because, you know, he worked so hard to get it. That's really creative. And then he didn't pay for it either. Huh. And the other part, too, is we're looking at is the Rings of Orbis world is so large, we're thinking about fan-driven storylines. So we'll start storylines on characters they like, and they can go down the road, and if they stop, we stop writing. And they can move on to another character, or jump have points where they can jump stories. So if they're you know if they're not you know watching if they're wanting to see what the Treffeldors are doing on Palk and follow through the whole rituals of of Burol and his family, and if it falls off, it falls off, and it, the story doesn't continue. It's sort of like, like canon fan fiction. Serialization back in the Dickens days. It's it's, it's the new iteration of television, right? Like yeah, if the, if the story's not popular enough, it get canceled after a while. Oh, there you it just go. dies off or folded into another one. So there's all kinds of stuff we're working at. It's just, there's just not enough time in the day anymore. <laughs> well, we hear Agreed. that a lot from people who are driven to, to do these kinds of things, that there's more ideas than there will ever be enough time to actually bring out. Yeah. PJ, we could talk for another hour. I intend to Is talk. Is it 9 o'clock already? Again and again and again. Uh, I want you back on the show. Bring Alan with you next time. Uh, bring, or he could oh, just what, come himself. That, that's what was also... that other guy you, you, you just very oh. briefly mentioned? Uh, God, I can't even remember his name. Uh, who, who worked with you on the Kids Need to Read thing. You know, that, that TV guy. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Billion. Yeah, Dome. Yeah. Dome, enough, enough. Relax. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> calm, Anyhow, calm down. Soft, Take a deep breath. Book five. The Untitled uh, second project that you're working on, the Monster Librarian Hunters Club that you're working on. We've got a lot more we need to talk about. So yeah, well, Love to come back. You just let me know when. And I need to no. get me one of these cute little critters because they're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> need a chronic leg. Okay. Griana, 
What's what's coming up in the next? You know, I always forget. <laughs> you forgot. The game. I'm too. <laughs> I was too into it. I was. Too, I was busy. I was thinking. The neurons were firing. Okay, so next week, continuing our streak of PJs, we have PJ Schneider, author of the Ministry Initiative, a steampunk Kickstarter. On August 17th, we have Brockton McKinney, the writer, and Larkin Ford, the artist of M Theory. On August 24th, we're talking to Michael J. Sullivan, author of the epic Ryuria Chronicles. And on August 31st, we have Jason Chen from StoryBundle.com. Dead redhead. (laughs) Make the transition. There you go. Perfect. I'm getting better at this. Yes, we are. (laughs) Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite-Con, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Jeremy? I want to thank B.J. Heisman for joining us uh, and, and talking about his projects that are happening now and happening in the future. Rings of Orbis is the game. Softwire is the book series. Check them out. We'll have hard links to them in our post that comes up on Saturday. I want to thank our cast tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar girls, Umbrarian. Thank you, ladies, very much. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Library um, school is real. <laughs> from the Four Color Vault <laughs> Comics, great thanks to the dead redhead. Absolutely. Hope to see some folks this weekend. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. No.